Greetings, space-time travelers. Gratitude for you joining me on the trail to Summit to Soul Mountain. Thank you. My name is Ryan Witherspoon. This podcast is my story and my journey upward and onward through life to reach the summit of my soul. This is a place where I connect and converse with fellow humans on their own journey seeking soul potential. We talk about adventures and life lessons, health and wellness, spiritual pursuits, movement and breath, and we dive into philosophies to be better than the day before. Life is growth, my friends. Keep going. What's good, everybody? Today, I am joined on the trail with my brother, the gentle gangster and the force of nature, Alex Morningstar. Alex is a co-creator with Highly Optimized, a movement dedicated to supporting humans and optimizing their lives and cultivating connections through holistic practices and a conscious relationship with cannabis. Alex also supports his partner, Jody with Move Energy, a women's fitness and emotional health program dedicated to helping women tap into their energy to create the health relationships and life they envision. Alex has been in the health and fitness realm for over a decade with a diverse background from owning a Brazilian jiu-jitsu academy to being a yoga instructor, movement coach, and a men's holistic health guide. Alex is one of the most genuine and kind-hearted dudes I've met. And through his love for supporting people, he has developed a passion for the behind the scenes systems to help them be organized and thrive. Tuning in from near the great Mount Hood in the Pacific Northwest, I welcome my brother Alex Morningstar on the trail to the Summit to Soul Mountain. Yeah, Ryan, thank you. So good to be here, man. And the gentle gangster and force of nature are like two of my, those are great nicknames, man. Thanks (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for those. Super happy to be here, man. Absolutely, man. I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah. You, uh, when we first met out at the ice and iron retreat, you just had this, this, you know, this gentle, you know, persona, you were just so sweet and so nice. You were so loving, you know, hugs right away. And then, you know, as I discovered more about you, how, you know, you had the history and, and fighting and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and combat and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, you know, don't judge a book by its cover because this guy will probably beat some ass when it's needed, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. It's all a charade. I'm I'm a Wolverine in here. No, I'm just <laughs> dude. I really align more with gentleness for sure than than the uh toughness thing. So yeah, it's a it's a funny dance uh, that mm-hmm. we're all playing, those two sides of us. Mm-hmm. So appreciate being seen. Thanks, man. Absolutely. So my first question for you is your last name morning star i just love that so much and uh it's one of the coolest names i've heard um and so i'm curious if you know the history behind that where morning star came from and and yeah if you could share share about morning star thanks for this great question so my given name is alexander george evans and uh george is my father's name and I love, I love, uh, I've really looked at my name a lot. So Alexander, uh, defender of man and uh, mankind, protector of mankind. Uh, and actually, it's escaping me right now, George and Evans. I always flip them, but there's definitely a relationship to earthliness and then godliness. And if I remember correctly, George is the connection to godliness. I'll have to look up the uh, etymology of these names again. Um, but I love that combo and it spells age, my acronym, A-G-E, age. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I've always really loved that. And so I think names are really fun 
and they can that's my cat cookie cat if you hear him meowing out there for a sec what up, um, cookie cat? what's up cookie cat he's a chonker um here hold on one sec let me go manage that guy no he'll mm-hmm. be fine um mm-hmm. so that's the name i grew up with and the name morningstar actually was something that i adopted over the last it was about six or seven years ago and uh so six or seven years ago, my partner Jody and I were at a we were at this place, Brighton Bush Hot Springs, and it's like the most awesome hot springs uh, in Oregon. I love it there. They've got all these cabins and a huge like wood lodge. It's just this gigantic, like hand built, amazing lodge. It's been there forever, and um, we were several years into our relationship. And we were having this amazing experience there. And we, I remember when it happened, we just had this, you know, this awareness that we wanted to create a name together mm-hmm. that we could share together. And uh, at that time, we were pretty much all in. I hadn't proposed to her yet. I ended up proposing two years later. And um, she had sort of a past with her given names that she wasn't super aligned with them. And also, we wanted to create something that was just new, like a new characteristic and new energy in our life mm-hmm. and uh, she's the one that came up with it actually and she was like she came up with it morning star and I remember we were out in the reflection pool that night it was the middle of the night starry night and the reflection pool is the one where you're not allowed to talk in that hot spring mm-hmm. and so if you go to the reflection pool it's like super chill people are like, if you, if you start whispering, they'll give you like a look, Hey, this is the reflection pool. Stop that. (laughs) Stop that whispering over there. So we're in the reflection pool for like an hour, I think just hanging out, looking at the stars. And we walked back to our, our, we were actually staying in a tent. I remember we come back to our tent and the next morning we woke up and we woke up with the sunrise and Jody was like, what do you think of the name morning star? And it just was like, just like, came into us we felt it we felt into it and we started just like trying it on you know it wasn't like this big decision like hey let's let's go sign the legal documents right now to make this our name but I felt really into it and so did she and so from that day forward I started going as Alex George Evans Morningstar and uh, I it wasn't a rejection of my given name it was like an addition onto. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been our shared name now for about seven years. And it's the name everybody knows me, uh, knows me by now in my new friend groups and my new working relationships and my old friends call me that too. So uh, I love that name as a reminder every day when I wake up, you know, what I'm here for. I'm here to mm-hmm. get up in the morning, connect with the sun. Uh, if it's If it's before the sun, connect with the stars. So I always like to see what stars are out when I get up. I'm like, oh, it's a morning star right there, right there. And some of the stars are more known as the morning star. There's a few stars known mm-hmm. as that, but I'm like, ah, I can be any of these. They're, they're up. It's the morning. These stars are out. <laughs> so any one of these could be a morning star. And um, that name has really uh, influenced my life in a lot of interesting ways. So the first uh, the first business I built I called it First Light Academy, and this was about 10 years ago. And First Light Academy was inspired by this notion that people who wake up early in the morning uh, seem to be tapped into a lot of stuff. Whether you're a farmer, whether you're, uh, you know, working in a a field of of some sort of craft or 
or building process. Think about the people who wake up early, people going fishing, people mm-hmm. going to summit a mountain, people who get up early, they like got something going on, What you know, whatever it is. And that always stood out to me, like the, the classic adage, early to bed, early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy and wise. Mm. And I think a big part of that is our natural circadian rhythm that like when we wake up with the earth, we tend to be more in alignment just by default. And so the premise of this coaching business was we're going to tap into the things that make us naturally powerful, make us naturally feel in alignment. And uh, I've been running with that concept now for, for 10 years as a coach. And so the name Morning Star uh, really lines up with a big part of my ethos in life about getting up in the morning and welcoming the day with a with a intention and in an intentional way. And um, while First Light Academy is not a name for my business any longer, uh, we have like 50 old T-shirts. So I have an unlimited supply of our First Light <laughs> Academy T-shirts. So I'll always wear them forever. And um yeah, originally it was uh, part of our MMA jiu-jitsu experience, um, which also ended up incorporating a lot of other things as it grew over time. So that's the long and short of where the name Morningstar comes from. And yeah, it's been a big uh, anchor in my life. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that name and I, I wear it proudly and I feel like it really aligns with who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And and understanding of where it came from because i think names are to me names are are a strange thing because it's something that we're given normally at birth that you know as a as a baby you have no no real say in what your name is and stuff you know you're just that's who you are and then you go through your life thinking oh you know i'm ryan you know i'm alex and it's like and and there was a point in my life where for a long time, I was like, is, is Ryan really who I am? Is that like my true soul name, you know? And, uh, and as I've been evolving in, in this past year, I'm, I'm really coming more into tune with my own name and, uh, and, and wearing it more proudly, but it's just, it's so interesting. I love the way that you said it's, it's not like a, a change of name. It's, it's an addition to your name. Cause you know, that that's a perspective that I've never thought about, but adding on to the name and, and evolving even more. So that's, that's a really cool story. What's the uh, origin of the name Ryan? Have you looked into that? What uh, I imagine it has something to do with some cool stuff. You know, I really haven't looked into, I think I have once before, but I can't remember where it came from. And what I think one of the reasons that I, I have such a weird, like, like understanding of my name is because of the story, how I got it. My parents, I, I'm pretty sure it was after I was born that I got my name, like shortly after is when my parents gave me my name and, uh, and they couldn't think of a name and they had a really hard time thinking of a name and stuff. And then one day they were like transferring the, the address books, all their phone numbers from one address book into a new address book. And they just like came across Ryan and they're both just like, Oh, I really like Ryan, you know? And like, so that was like the story on how my parents gave me my name. And so it's always been, I, I really need to look into 
you know, the, the origin of Ryan and stuff, because that's, that's something I really haven't done before, but I think it's, yeah, having that deep, deep understanding and that deep meaning of, of what your name means. And so I think that's a lot of American names. Nobody, you know, often people don't realize what the, the history of their name is or where it came from. It's just, you know, something that's given to you. And, uh, so that's, that's something I definitely need to do. I think that's such a sweet story with your parents and the way I heard you describe it. They were like, not sure what to name you. And then they're like, oh, I really like Ryan. And that's like, it made me think of that's how people experience you. At first, it's like, man, it's hard to put a label on this guy. <laughs> and then it clicks. And it's like, oh, I really like Ryan. So anyway, <laughs> I love how you told that story. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. And, and I'd like to, you know, dive into you know, your movement practices from here, you know, um, I'm really curious about what your relationship to movement has been, how you kind of got into movement and, and what, what movement is to you over the years. Yeah. Oh, great topic. I'll dive in. So, um, I'll make this story short, but it goes all the way back to my birth. So when I was born, uh, my heart, my heart is on the right side of my body. Interesting. And I have one lung that that's bigger than the other one. And so I was born with some interesting organ situations. And uh, I don't lean on that history like it's a tr- like a trauma or a crutch or anything. However, it has really influenced the way my body moves, the way my body breathes. And so I really do look at my movement journey as something that started from birth till now. And as a young child, I was sickly all the time. You know, I was in hospitals. My mom was like, you know, chronically worrying about me, stressing about me. And so I was kind of like the, uh, you know, a sick infant, right? In the hospital, tubes coming out of me, IVs, all the stuff. And so my childhood was sort of this journey of breaking out of that identity of being, quote, sickly. And my dad is like a straight unit. So is my mom. They're like super athletic. My dad's like a super beast, right? And so here's like my dad, super beast. He's like six feet tall, an absolute gorilla. Uh, He's a builder. He's like totally the toughest guy. And then he's been in like a million street fights. You know, it's like that kind of guy. And then here I am, you know, this little like kind of fragile, frail child. And so there was this like really interesting energy where my parents were really worried about me. But I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to be in even as a kid, I had this. It wasn't like consciously aware, but my actions reflected like I'm not going to wear this label for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I dove into sports like right away. I got into Taekwondo when I was five years old, played all the sports except for like football. That one was just like I'm way too short for football. (laughs) I'm only five, four. I weigh like 125 pounds, but I played lacrosse. I played soccer, played, did martial arts. Uh, did all snowboarding, did all this stuff. So I played sports all the way through college, did martial arts all the way through college. And I think like the peak of my, you know, athletic endeavors would have been when I opened the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And um, I took my lifelong experience in, in Taekwondo, boxing, kickboxing, you know, I really explored a lot of things. So I was like, all right, I'm ready to go on this journey. And uh, at the time I had graduated college I was living on a permaculture education center. I was living there as a work trader. 
And my dad called me and he was like, hey, we just inherited the gym that we've been training at our whole lives. Our martial arts master had retired and he had transitioned the gym to my father. And we've been training there for like 20 years at the time. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And so I was like, sorry, farm. I love it here. But this is like my lifelong dream is to be a martial arts instructor. I'm heading home. So I, I bounced from the farm. I headed back home and that started my journey into really leading uh, leading people in martial arts. And that just started to evolve. Uh, and that's been a journey now over the last 10, 11 years, uh, professionally instructing people full time. And um, it began uh, teaching people Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and taekwondo. And shortly thereafter, it started to evolve a lot. I became a yoga instructor. I got really deep into natural movement and every step of the way it just was this like, I want to go deeper. I want to learn more about this. And the reason I see these things pairing uh, both the athletic yang martial arts approach and then this yin, you know, yoga, mindful movement, breath work, these things paired up because something I was experiencing was I was pushing my body really hard and even as a little guy, you know, 125 pounds, I was in the gym six days a week. I was lifting. I was I was training. I was doing jujitsu twice a day. I was wrestling guys like three times my weight. I was getting after it. Okay, maybe not three times, maybe two times my weight. Uh, three times would be a really big individual. I'd probably get crushed. Um, so, you know, it started with me with this drive to maybe prove myself to myself and also just like be like my father and and sort of do what I thought I needed to do in life, which was push myself, become a good fighter. And it was really like this push for many years. And I hit this point running the academy where I remember I was sitting in the back office and I was just burnt out. It, it was like this. It hit me like a huge realization, like I have been running hot. I'm burning myself out. I love what I'm doing, but I also know there's a lot more. And that's when I started diving way deeper into the holistic health side of things. And initially it was sort of like just to keep the jujitsu machine running. You know, what can I do to stay healthy for mm -hmm. my sports performance? And then the scale sort of started to shift where, wait, maybe my sports performance is not what I'm that uh, aligned with. And the the holistic health side of things started to be cooler to me. Mm -hmm. It started to take precedence in my, you know, what my heart wanted to do and what mm -hmm. my mind was interested in. And it slowly began to transition where I was doing less and less martial arts, less and less strength and conditioning. And I moved more and more into, uh, you know, this side of things, the things that connect me with my body and my experience of life. And so where I'm at today is, I've actually taken like a three-day, sorry, a three-year break from training martial arts altogether. I, I've maybe gone to the gym twice in three years just to reconnect with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, but a major transition has occurred where it's all about my connection practice with myself now. And, um, and so that's how it's been evolving over the last 10 years. And uh, that's where I am today is, is really focused on, on the, what I call my me practice. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's a, a beautiful journey and, and a, a great transition. You know, so often we, we push ourselves too hard and, and go, you know, to a, to one side of, you know, a complete end. And then, yeah, you get that burnout and you get this like 
you hit this end line and then you know it creates this this opposite this opposite swing going back and a lot of times people don't know what to do with that but you know you tuning into your heart and and leaning in really led you down to a a a beautiful path i remember in our ice and iron retreat when we were having our ice and iron day all these guys are out there lifting weights throwing shit around doing all this stuff and and at one point i look over and you're just like bouncing around on the ground like a like an like an ape or a monkey or something jumping around kind of dancing and i was like man like this is this is you know the whole other side of movement and connecting with the body so i got on the ground with you and started kind of rolling around with you and and we were both just laying on the the tire for a little bit and it's like oh that that part of movement is is so needed you know tuning in with the body and and dropping in in that way um so with your with your me practice which is move energy um what does what does that mean what's your what does your me practice look like is it um different each day is it um something that you do intuitively or or how how does that look yeah um so the me practice is something that Jody and I have been you know creating evolving for a few years now and um move energy the me practice really is centered around the idea that our emotions our thoughts and our physical experience are all really one thing mm-hmm. so you know in the external world of movement there are reps there are metrics there's how many miles you ran um there's also like what is the fascia doing in your body how are your joints working you know there's this sort of like mechanistic what is the mechanism of my body doing uh, and then if we incorporate the fact that the way our mind is thinking influences that, it becomes a whole nother dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if our mind is thinking uh, about stressful things, if it's stuck on loops that are like challenging, that ends up getting reflected into the body. And then you add the emotional component. And now you've got this like kind of trifecta of energies that really are all influencing each other. Mm-hmm. And so I came to this realization that focusing on just one of them is going to be, you know, you're going to be missing part of the puzzle. And so the me practice move energy is really about aligning those three parts of ourselves and then letting things flow in our life. And so, you know, from a movement perspective, from a physical movement perspective, we want things to flow and move. We want our joints to have range of motion. We want our spine to be healthy. We want to be able to do movement. Uh, But then when we take this inside, we want our emotions to be able to flow as well, because it's like we can cultivate this ongoing, consistent flow where things are able to come in and go out and we're able to be in resonance with our lifestyle. And so moving energy is a daily practice I do that touches on those three points. And the mantra I say to myself is move, breathe, meditate. And so every day, whether I do them all three together or I do one at, in the morning, one at lunch, one after work, you know, it's adaptable. I'm making sure that I'm checking in with my body, with my emotions and my mindset. And I find that when I can do that, it serves me a lot more than necessarily like a solid two hour workout, just focused Mm -hmm. on my body or just meditating. Those are all really great practices. I am really intrigued by the process of intertwining those three things together. 
And for me, the Holy Grail is if you can do a move that does all three at the same time. So if you can like hold a posture, let's say you're doing like a, a posterior chain activation posture and you're in that like, like a hinge, right? Mm -hmm. Or like a deadlift motion or something like that, or an isometric hold. If you can do that, then do a decompressing breath. So you're moving, you're breathing. And then if you can like say a mantra while you're doing that, in one minute, you can have this like explosive, energetic, emotional, releasing, empowering feeling come over you. And compared to like, pushing yourself in a CrossFit workout for an hour to feel that euphoric feeling after an hour of like basically crushing yourself or a jujitsu like gauntlet for two hours where you're just getting crushed in one minute, I can experience a feeling and an experience that's even more profound, more healing, more nourishing, just simply by becoming more intentional with what I'm doing um, with my mechanism. That is me. Mm hmm practice of doing all three of those and and working working in in that way is like i'm just thinking of when i'm doing some some yoga myself and like i i hit a specific posture and then all of a sudden i just want to like an emotion comes through and i can just feel like i want to you know it'll be different i'll feel like an anger come through or a sadness where i want to just like cry or something but all these emotions are you know can get stuck in the body in certain ways and and having that practice of intentionally being mindful of the emotions the meditations and 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 moving the body it's like just puts a you know harmonizing effect to all of it and and i can see how that can you know externalize and and create a a more harmonious path in your life as you move forward from that yeah, exactly. And like, here's the thing, like when we think about health and fitness in the body, you know, so there's the peripheral things, coffee, food, sleep, you know, the, the core holistic health practices everybody talks about. And the focus is on, on like making the body healthy, right? But here's the weird thing. Like, let's say you have like a chronically tight shoulder or a neck issue or something with your low back or your pelvis. Mm -hmm. everybody's like, okay, what's the move that's going to make this feel better? What's like the movement I can do, or who's the massage therapist that's going to fix my back or what, or what's the acupuncture technique that's going to do this. Right. But then you go deeper and you find out like, wow, the state of my organs, my organ health actually plays a big role in how my fascia and my body are responding. And then, uh Oh, even deeper down the rabbit hole, my organs are being affected by my feelings. What? Mm -hmm. And so you like go deeper and deeper and deeper. And you start to realize like that shoulder issue you're having could be related to that resentment you've been holding on to for the last eight years about your relationship or mm -hmm. about that time that that guy said that thing to you. And now your throat is tight for the next 10 years. Right. And there's like these stuck energies in the body. And um, I'm sure people have heard about the, the book, like the body keeps the score. Um, I'm not like an authority on that book or anything, but the title really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. The body keeps the score. It's like, if you're having health issues or something's presenting itself to you a lot, uh, I've come in my own awareness to see that things that get trapped in my body 
because of an unwillingness to process them or an inability to process them really are at the root of a lot of our health issues that we're seeing. And so it's like this healing from the inside out mindset and obviously like minerals and nutrition and hydration and sleep. These are all super key, but we run into this issue where, and I'm sure you're familiar with this pattern holistic health is is becoming more and more mainstream people are eating paleo or keto or vegan uh people are doing natural movement they're doing yoga they're doing martial arts they're they're playing people are meditating even they're even doing breath work people are doing all the things right but what happens if you're doing all the things and you still are feeling shitty in your life or that one fucking part in your neck still won't release and i see this people are like pushing themselves to hit the holistic health checkbox every day. But uh, something my wife and I talk about is, hey, you can do that whole checklist. But if you're not able to really feel into Mm -hmm. what's going on inside of you, you may be missing a crucial component in in changing the way you're feeling and changing the way you're showing up. And so I'm actually in a stage right now where I'm moving a lot less than I used to move. Uh, And I had some kind of challenge with that. Like, am I getting out of shape? Am I not keeping up? But I'm, I'm just on a different focus right now. It's about the, the synergy between these different energies in our body. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really important to go inside now, feel what's happening inside and let that go from the inside out. And so that's really the influence and inspiration behind the move energy practice. And I would say that above everything it's it's to get more in touch with connection and emotions uh because for me that was a very elusive thing and i find that that's elusive for a lot of people is really getting Mm -hmm. into the feelings Mm -hmm. yeah you can do you can do all the external things you can take all those like you said you can check off all those holistic boxes and stuff but when it comes down to a root problem you know if if that root problem isn't isn't solved and in the emotional way that a lot of times that it comes from, then you're not going to see any, any lasting change or, you know, those emotions are going to come back and, and cause, cause problems again. And so I'm curious uh, if you could share any, any practices to, to help tune into those, you know, emotional work. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Um, there's so many, there's so many practices out there. And so I'll start with, uh, kind of my foundation and then Mm -hmm. share kind of some fun ones that I'm into right now, because the, the toolkit is infinite. There's your coffee can be your toolkit. You know what I mean? So at the very base level, uh, stillness and presence, whatever Mm -hmm. brings that about, I think is the bedrock. Because if you're upregulated to the degree that you're not able to feel what's going on, it's going to sort of negate whatever it is you're doing. If if your goal is connection and feeling, dude, I'll I'll be the first one to say if you want to go get after it and lift a bunch of heavy logs and rocks and just go ape. Hey, that's cool. Uh, but if your goal is to feel that we, we want to be tapped in. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. necessarily what we're doing. It's making sure we're tapped in. And I think that's the fundamental bedrock to being more uh, internal or at least connected to what you're doing. And it can, then you can run, you can lift, you can fight, you can do anything, Mm -hmm. but the point is to be present with it rather than sort of like blacking out and going through it. And so 
with that being said, some really great grounding practices to get to that point. These are ones people will be familiar with, you know, silent meditation, uh, the five senses meditation, where you go, what do I hear, taste, smell, see, and feel? That one will like bring you into the present moment, like boom, really fast. Um, 10 slow breaths into the belly so that you're making sure your diaphragm is moving. You know, for me, I, I really think it's the fundamentals that people are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, Wim Hof is super fun. CrossFit, super fun. Jiu-Jitsu, super fun. Uh, Joe Dispenza, blast off manifestation meditations are super cool and super fun. Um, and all that being said, I'm a believer in getting the fundamentals figured out first so that your blast off experiences have an anchor. And this is a mindset I adopted from martial arts. You know, everybody wants to do the cool spinning move that they saw on YouTube. But if you can't hold your elbows the right way, we call it T-Rex arms. If you don't have T-Rex arms figured out when you're grappling and you're just letting people grab you, uh, you're missing one of the, the purest fundamental things. And so something you notice with martial artists as they age is they always go back to the fundamentals because they're the Mm -hmm. things that the body can do best. They're the things that even if you're tired, even if you're hurt, whatever the case is, the fundamentals have your back. So when it comes to energy practices, I look at it that same way. Yes, it's super cool to go out and explore, but I believe in this bedrock of stability first. And so, like I said, the basics, sleep, hydration, healthy food, silent meditation, taking slow breath to make sure that your, your unit, your rib cage and spine and organs are all moving with your breath appropriately. And so that's where I always recommend people begin is just like, Hey, let's not do more. Let's do less and see how badass Mm -hmm. it is to do less. And uh, this phrase that came to me recently was what's the effortless move. Mm -hmm. What's the effortless move. And it's like, my dad used to say this quote with me because he would get into a lot of conflict with people. So he was really working on reducing conflict in his life. And he liked this quote, sit on the riverbank and let your enemies go by. Mm. It's like, don't engage. Mm -hmm. And so then like, I started to notice in jujitsu too, the most advanced players, they look as though they're not doing anything at all, but somehow the other person's like wrapped up in a bad (laughs) trap now, right? So what's the effortless move? What's the way, you know, in the samurai movies where it's like they didn't even move at all, but then the other guy's down, like what Mm -hmm. just happened there? And so when it comes to a personal holistic practice, I feel like people can stress themselves out by like, I'm going to do the 30 hardest, toughest. I'm going to be a barefoot ultra marathon runner. I'm going to do 10 minutes in the ice. I'm, you know, whatever the pinnacle thing is, it's like people are reaching for that. And I'm like, yo, do less and watch what happens. And what I found in my life is that that can be one of the most challenging things is doing less because our ego comes up and we start to get afraid. Am I not doing enough? Are other people outpacing me? Am I even really a movement coach? Am I even, you know, my day is so simple. Do I even have the right to guide people? And so I've had to go through this journey of like, less is more and, and wearing that with pride and sort of being like, yeah, I got nothing to prove here. Uh, all I want is more connection in my life. So that's a, that's a long answer to what you asked 
which is like, what are some practices you like? So I wanted to lay out that fundamental piece first because uh, people can get burned trying to reach too fast. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, what's the burn? You know, what are you going to burn yourself doing breath work? And it's like, yeah, you can, you can burn yourself out. You can make your neck tighter than you wanted it to be. You can start to uh, build nerve pinching in your thoracic and collarbone area. If you're not careful with breath work, I'm sort of like this storm crow because of my upbringing being kind of frail and fragile. I have this ability to notice like things that are you know, sensitive or dangerous way before other people even think it's a problem. And so something I like really enjoy is being really sensitive. Just like be re like, I know that's not that bad, but don't you feel that in your knee? Like, don't you feel that in your neck? People are like, fuck, that's really sensitive, dude. And I'm like, yeah, slow down, do less, feel it all. Um, so with that being said, that's like the bedrock of some things mm -hmm. I really enjoy. Uh, can I jump into the next thing or I, I don't want to, I'm just rolling here. So, uh, with that being said, when the bedrock is there, I start to get stale in my practice. If I just do the same thing for like a few months, you know, move, breathe, meditate. So the basics there would be like, I like some isometric holds. So foundation training, if you guys are familiar with that human garage. Um, there's all these movement modalities coming out that are hard to label, but their point is to help integrate the body. Also shout out to my bro, Grant Thomas with smooth movement. That dude's a unit. So I love to do some simple integrating isometric postures to start my day. I like to decompress my breathing with like really good diaphragmatic breathing. And then I like the five senses meditation. So that's like the bedrock. If I get stale or bored with that, and usually what happens is some challenge in my life comes up that's like not getting solved. And I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go deep into the toolkit here. So here are some ones that over the last six months have really carried me through some challenging times. So the first one is this book, Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. She's awesome. And the premise of this book is to get in touch with your yucky, dirty side of yourself and see what wisdom and what breakthroughs lie within that. So if we think about the kink realm, it's sort of this like in sexual terms, it's sort of like the sexual deviancy. Like that's mm -hmm. what some therapists will refer to kink as like sexual deviant behavior. And it's like, okay, dude, like if you say it's deviant, whatever. Uh, but we're all drawn to these like strange, different alternative sexual experiences. And I, I say we all are, I don't know that we all are, but what's going on with kink, right? And that's the premise of this book. So if you take it into the non-sexual or just our day-to-day -day lives, there are these weird patterns going on inside of us that are trying to tell us something. So like when we're passive aggressive, when we're in victim mentality, when we're like doing these strange shadowy things that we might not even realize, her, she's calling on us to ask like, what's going on with that? And so the premise of this is to fully go into those feelings and shine the light on them and own them so that you can release those patterns should you choose to. So one of these crazy, like, uh, you know, examples of an exercise is like, let's say you're having scarcity issues or financial issues. You could, you could love that and go, oh, I love living paycheck to paycheck. I fucking love not having money for food. Oh, I fucking love that. It's so intense that I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. And you just like get crazy with it. You're just like, 
I want to live on the streets and have no possessions. And it's like this weird deviant, like, why would you say that? Don't, don't you know that your thoughts influence your reality? Why are you repping these patterns out? Well, the idea here, you know, this is the concept of shadow work that everybody's talking about these days. The point of shadow work is to be with your shadow because it mm -hmm. wants to be seen and heard. And if every part of ourselves is meant to be integrated and loved, this process is meant to love even those sides of ourselves that we or society have deemed unlovable. It's not lovable to be poor. It's not lovable to struggle. It's not lovable to be upset and angry all the time. Well, yeah, but these are parts of me. These exist. Mm -hmm. These have exist. They may exist again in the future. And you can see them in other people too. We all have these quote unlovable parts of ourselves. And so one of the deepest practices for me within my move energy, me practice has been getting into those parts of me that, I, that were previously unlovable and figuring out how I can love them so fully that whatever it was that was happening, that was, you know, disempowering in my life. It's like, now we can all be buddies at the table and we can all do the mission together. And now nobody's left out because I have this sensitivity of being left out. Or I used to have it a lot. Now I'm like, definitely like alone. I can be a lone wolf really comfortably. But as a kid, I was really concerned about not being heard. I think it was like, part of my story was like, oh, I'm so short. Everybody towers above me. It's hard to be heard. So I didn't like not being heard. I didn't like not being included. And I started to see that pattern happening inside of myself, parts of me not being heard and not being included. And so shadow work in the many names and formations it can take has been one of my favorite things to do. And it's like gritty, it's gnarly sometimes, but it's like also just like kink and sex. It can also be one of the most euphoric things you do. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God, this is fucking vulnerable right now. Um, so that's one of the practices that I've just like really loved and dove into. And I'll just mention one more because I know that this segment of the conversation is rolling and rolling. The other one I really have loved has been sound healing. And sound healing for me is like one of my biggest wounds in my life because, and this is such a non-story, but in second grade, I was in music class and there's this recital happening and I wanted to play this one part. It was the prince in this like song story. I wanted to sing that part. And I'm a second grader. I don't know how anything works. So I'm like, I want to sing this one. So the music teacher like has us all sing the part. And he was like, all right, she's going to do that part. You don't get the part. You got to go stand on the bleachers in the back and just do the chorus thing. And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. I was like, my voice must suck. I can't sing. I'm the worst. And I wanted to sing that part. I don't even get to sing that part. What is, isn't music about like getting to do what you want to do. And I like never sang again after that. I never played an instrument like music basically became disassociated from my life because I was so wounded as a second grader. And it's such a simple, small thing. But for me, it was everything. And that's an example about how these like small, sensitive things in our life can go unnoticed when really like they're this deep thread we can pull on. And so nowadays I'm trying to rebuild my capacity to sing. And it's very challenging for me. So sound healing is this awesome practice I've stumbled upon. Um, there's this book, The Alchemy of Voice, where the premise is about finding your signature note with your voice. And there's this other book called Rise and Shine. 
that is a very like qigong oriented sound healing approach both of them are encouraging us to see how our organs can be healed through our voice and how our energy can be moved and connected with through our voice and so one simple exercise i'll share for anybody interested is you view your spine like a keyboard but go ahead and take that keyboard that's usually horizontal make it vertical there's your spine and you can notice like up high by the head is a little higher in the tone right i don't know music words so if you guys are music people don't judge me and then if you go down to the base, it's like deeper. It's like the base, right? I say, go down to the base. It's the base, right? <laughs> and so you can like do a sound and see if you can glide that sound up and down. And so here's a really funny one. You go, so you can go like, and like, just roll it up and down your body. And can you feel it in your spine, in each vertebrae? as it goes up and down. And when I started getting into that stuff, it was like so healing and connecting to my body. And there's a whole body of practice around sound healing. Um, so anyway, th those are some of the things I've been really jiving on lately. And uh, I really appreciate you asking me because it's like I nerd out on it every day. So what's good, soul seekers. Thanks for hopping on the trail with me today. I am grateful. I want to extend an invite to you to join my weekly online soul flow yoga class every saturday at 10 a.m eastern we drop into the mind body with some breathing practices and flow into a 60 minute yoga class head over to summitsoulmountain.com or follow the link in the show notes to sign up through my bi-weekly newsletter that will send you the zoom room link and keep you up to date on more summit soul mountain happenings cheers y'all there's a, a few things that came through one, you know, like back to the, to the bedrock, like minimum effective dosing. And, and that's like what I would like to dive into when we, when we can talk about some cannabis and, and plant medicine and stuff, but like having that, that baseline of knowing what is, is there. And then just, just taking that minimum effective dose and, you know, the effortless move, and, you know, and knowing when your ego is saying, take more, you know, you can handle more and, and not, you know, not, you know, to, you know, listening to that ego part and, and just coming through and saying, okay, this is all I need right now. This is all my body needs. This is all my emotion needs. And this is what's going to give me the most healing from, from this minimum effective dose. And so that, that's, that's a powerful takeaway for me. And then also when, again, to the cannabis, when we were doing those ohms in our, in our cannabis ceremony and in, in Vermont, like that sound healing was, was incredible. And, and something I've learned about recently and in, in kind of what I think you're relating to, and it's, it's I, don't, I don't know too much about it, but like vagal nerve tuning and, and like these different harmonizing sounds and, you know, the ohms or the different tones and stuff like, tune into different frequencies of, you know, your nervous system. And, um, and it's just so interesting to, you know, hear, hear you talk about, you know, that, that power, that powerfulness of, of sound healing, because it is something that, you know, we, we kind of don't really think about when we're talking or when we're just 
the tone of our voice if we're angry we're we're going to be more deep in our voice or if we're you know happy we might be a little bit more higher pitched or you know have these different different tones in our voices with different emotions so i'm kind of just putting those those correlations together of like yeah tuning tuning the body with sound and to recognize what emotions might be tied together with those it's very interesting yeah and going back to our conversation about our names and you're like is this the right name for my soul you know it's like i imagine in the spirit realm names are just like this wild sound (laughs) fucking experience like how do souls say each other's names it's probably this like sound that if a human heard it it would like obliterate us because it's so powerful or something so yeah i think letting the sound and the light come out of our bodies is like yeah super deep super Mm -hmm. deep love that i'm just thinking of like my soul trying to say my name and it's like a big gong just like a big smash of a gong it's like you know and it's like like okay. transformer the sounds that they make in the transformers <laughs> yes. movies like yeah right yeah <laughs> and so you know stemming into um plant medicines and cannabis and stuff I'd, I'd like to dive into into that topic and um we can start with cannabis just because of highly optimized and the connect with cannabis program and um for a little background um context alex uh was co-facilitating uh the ice and iron retreat that i went on with 16 other men and alex and ryan sprague led us through this epic epic cannabis ceremony and cannabis is near and dear to my heart and for many years i thought i was using it mindfully and intentionally and i was doing all these positive things and i was in a lot of ways but I was also using it as a big vice and a big way to escape and numb out. And uh, you you helped lead through this cannabis ceremony, which was just mind-bending to me. I had a lot of powerful experiences. And uh, so I'm curious about your relationship with cannabis, um, where where it started at, what transitioned you into having this powerful conscious connection with cannabis that you do now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I, like I may have alluded to, I grew up with a good deal of anxiety and worry. I think it relates back to my childhood of, of being in the hospital all the time. Right. So I always, I, I still do run pretty high intensity internally Uh, which is funny because on the outside, people think that I'm like really chill and I am totally really chill. Uh, But also, yeah, anxiety and depression and challenging feelings were something that through my college years really were like, I felt were crippling me. Um, I would have like night terrors. And this one time I, uh, in my sleep, jumped out my window uh, and locked myself out of my apartment naked. I sleep naked. So I'm like, jump out the window because I thought people were coming to chop me up with machetes in my crazy dream. So I jump out the window and I'm like, oh shit, I'm naked. So luckily I had two roommates and I knocked on the door and it was the middle of the night and they let me back in. But I started finding cannabis around that time. And I was like, something's got to give here. College is stressing me the fuck out. I'm stressed. So I started like most people interacting with cannabis to see if it would help me have a good time and see if it would help me chill out. And, And lo and behold, it definitely did. 
And that began, you know, that was like 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. And uh, I was sort of an on and off user. And I remember about five years ago, I started smoking a lot. It was like daily, uh, many times a day. And it got to a point where I was basically smoking all day, every day, wake and bake, um, you know, ongoing, ongoing. And uh, it helped for a while. It definitely helped for a while. It got me to a place where I was able to downregulate and I was able to stop worrying about everything in my life. Um, but as a lot of us know who have interacted with cannabis for a while, I started to run into diminishing returns. Instead of calming me down, it started stressing me out. Mm -hmm. Instead of helping me be creative, it started making me like anxious. It started, my, my structure started to break down in my life. I was scattered. I wasn't able to handle all the responsibilities I wanted to handle. And for a lot of people, they start to blame cannabis when that happens, goddamn devil's lettuce. It's making me a stoner. It's making me lazy. It's making me switch off. And, uh, you know, that that's something that people can end up saying, you know what, cannabis isn't for me anymore. But I started to go deeper with cannabis and I started to build the awareness that actually it's what I'm bringing to the table with cannabis that's being reflected back at me. And I started to realize cannabis is a lot more profound than I had realized in the past. I think this is what a lot of us are realizing is that cannabis is a master teacher plant. Mm -hmm. It's a deep, deep experience once you start showing up to it with that awareness. So I slowly started to change the way I interacted with it. And a lot of miraculous things started to happen. Um, I really was in love with the plant. It was hard for me to taper off. But when I did start tapering off, a lot of really magical things started to happen. One of which was I met Ryan Sprague, my business partner at a men's retreat, and he's a cannabis expert. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of story in there that I'll skip over. But long story short, where we are today is Ryan and I have created a business around conscious relationship with cannabis. Because what we're seeing is that as cannabis becomes more mainstream, you know, it's on the road to national legalization. Um, so many people are reaching for it for healing in, in, you know, the challenges they're facing in their life. And there is the pitfall there of people not knowing what the hell it even is or what it does. And, you know, the lack of awareness around the fact that this is a plant medicine what that means, I think, is really elusive for a lot of people. Cannabis in the industry is sort of, you know, presented as this thing that is a catch-all healing medicine for you. It heals cancer. It heals epilepsy. It heals arthritis. It heals insomnia. It heals everything. Just load yourself with cannabis and you'll be good. And, uh, you know, think about applying that to psilocybin mushrooms. Just load yourself with mushrooms every day. You'll be good. Just load yourself with ayahuasca every day. You'll be good. And people might say, hey, whoa, on the order of magnitude, those other two you mentioned are way more powerful than cannabis. And it's like, well, the experience you're experiencing may seem way more profound, but cannabis, there's a lot going on when you're interacting with it. And so over the last few years, I've built that awareness around that plant and how I can start to dance with her in a way that respects the nature of what's really going on. And so a few of the things Ryan and I talk about are that cannabis, well, one of them I'll mention is cannabis acts as a mirror. And I think that's a great place to start in talking about cannabis is 
if you start finding yourself in the place where you're blaming cannabis for what's going on in your life, like, oh, it's making me anxious. It's giving me depression. It's making me tune out. Uh, a lot of what you're experiencing a lot of times is what you're bringing to cannabis and she will amplify what your experience is. So if, if you are holding on to anxiety, going back to our ability to move energy and release it, if you're holding on to that cannabis right away, is just going to hold up that mirror and go, look how fucking anxious you are, dude. Or she'll go, yeah, look at all that depression, all that resentment, all that, you know, hatred or anger you're holding on to. And so for me, what ended up happening was I started having such profound experiences with cannabis. And as I've crafted my practice with it, um, I can I can have such a profound experience that I have deep reverence for the plant at this point. Because if I'm unconscious with it, I can take an afternoon can turn into an ordeal if I'm not careful. And that kind of goes back to that concept of me being a very sensitive person. With plant medicines, I tend to be you know, sensitive. And so a small amount can do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And so where I'm at today is I think cannabis is an incredibly potent medicine. It can definitely help us heal a lot. It can help us tap into our intuition and our discernment. It can basically put us in touch with our higher self, pun intended. Uh, it can get us into an elevated perspective in our lives. Now the the double-edged sword with cannabis and plant medicines in general and I, this is a gripe I have about where we're at as a people right now. Um, I gripe sometimes. Uh, I think people ignore the double-edged nature or the dark and light side of interacting with plant medicines in that they are master level teachers. And it's just like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you walk into the gym with an ego, not aware of yourself, thinking that nothing can hurt you and you're the biggest boss on the planet, you will get humbled. And that's what cannabis can do. That's what tobacco can do. That's what psilocybin can do. That's what all the plant medicines can do. And so I caution people. Uh, there's a big movement in plant medicines where it's like, nope, this is the revolution. It's all safe. It's all good. Everybody should do it. Ayahuasca is for fucking everybody. Cannabis is for everybody. But the, the reality is, yes, these things can heal us deeply. And I've had many incredibly pivotal healing experiences with plant medicines. I've also had experiences that when I was having them, I wished I had never had them. They're completely scary and challenging. And cannabis can be no different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with cannabis, with certain people, they have a predisposition to move into psychosis with cannabis. There's a certain set of our population that can experience really deep challenges with cannabis and same with other plant medicines. Um, But for the most part, you know, it's a very healing medicine. Uh, I tend to like being the person that's going to raise the alarm about these things. I don't have a problem being that guy because I've experienced these things firsthand. And I was the same way in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. Uh, I was like, you guys, everybody in this community is way fucking overtraining. People are getting shoulder surgeries. People are fucking hurting themselves. There's got to be a better way to train jujitsu where you can still train, get the benefits and ha- live a long, healthy life without crippling yourself. And that's, that's my take on cannabis too. This medicine is freaking beautiful. It will change your life if you come to it with the right intention. It can be such a powerful aid and ally in your life. And it is for me. And I also really, it's important to me to mention, 
even something as somewhat uh, gentle as cannabis, if not held with care and reverence, uh, you can run yourself into a into a challenging situation with mm-hmm. dependency and losing yourself, getting off center, spiraling, uh, you know, having a lot of challenges come up in your life. So, yeah, that's some of my thoughts on cannabis. Yeah, I love that. There's the the reverence to it and and knowing that without that that conscious intention and and thinking that it is something that can just heal all your problems and it's can also just as equally create grand problems along along the way and that's something something important to remember um because that's some like like you something that happened with me the more it, it started out as something that was really powerful and profound and then i started finding myself going down these holes of like needing it to escape the the struggles that I was having but then also they were you know a lot of times sharpening that those same problems and and making me want to kind of run away even more and uh and that's just with with any plant medicine if you don't have the the right set and setting to to go into these experiences then they're going to be pretty fucking challenging and and not knowing how to maneuver through them will can cause you know a lot of a lot of trauma with that um and so i wanted to ask about minimum effective dosage on that on that topic because that's that's something to be important and and a lot of people think oh yeah just go into the store if it's you know if it's legal where you're at just go into the store buy a joint smoke the whole joint and and sit down and and have that interaction and stuff but that might be too much. So how would you recommend um, finding your, your minimum effective dosage? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, whether you're somebody who uses habitually or somebody who's new to it, uh, you know, there, there are different parameters for sure. And this is a lot of what we teach in our program, Connect with Cannabis, is how to start building this relationship where you're, you know, finding that minimum effective dose that works for you, finding the rhythm that works for you. And so, Let's say we're talking about somebody who's a a habitual user. You know, you've been using it for years. Maybe you use it several times a day. It would seem scary maybe to this person to not use it in a given day, right? With that person, I recommend there's two approaches you can take. One is ripping off the Band-Aid and just saying, I'm going cold turkey for three days. Just like clean cut. Three days, no cannabis. I'm going to just suffer through the emotional turmoil that's going to come up with this. For some people, it is emotional mm-hmm. turmoil when you take cannabis away. It's like your baba, like my baba, I want my my sucky, like <laughs> give me my cannabis back. I want to smoke on that, right? For some people, that can be incredibly challenging and will reveal a lot about what's going on inside of you once you take that away. Now, I, I acknowledge that for a lot of people, that would be really scary and and it's so funny. People are like, it's just smoking weed. What's the big deal? But people who know, know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It can be scary to take away the cannabis, especially if you're going through a challenging time in your life. So the other approach I really like, and this is an approach that can work with coffee, tobacco, masturbation, anything you're trying to just get a hold on to like get more balance in your day. I like this idea of benchmarks in your day where you can say, okay, 
I'm going to wait till after I go on my morning walk to start. So instead of waking up and doing it right away, I'm just going to wake up, go for a walk, then I'll do it the rest of the day. Okay, I've got that. Next benchmark. I'm going to wait till after I have breakfast. And then you can just slowly push the needle in your day and you go, okay, I'm going to wait till lunch break. Okay, I'm going to wait till after work. Okay, I'm going to wait till after dinner. Okay, I'm going to wait till right before bed. And if that's your intention is to slowly reduce how much you're interacting, you have those two approaches, cold turkey or Mm -hmm. these slow benchmarks. And everybody's really different. Everybody's in a different place emotionally. Everybody has different, you know, a different way they like to do these things. But what will happen in either of these cases is when you start to reduce the amount of interactions you have, you'll start to be way more aware of what's happening when you do interact with it. And so for a lot of people, they'll take the clean cold turkey break. And that's the way we start our program is we ask people to take the clean cold turkey break, just straight up three days, take a break. When you come back to cannabis after doing that, your system has been cleared in a way where your receptors can actually receive the medicine a lot more readily than when you, you sort of clog them up if you use it all the time and the results become diminishing. Like you just feel it less, your body's able to respond to it less. So when you take that break, you come back to it and you're like, holy cow, there is a lot going on here with cannabis, right? And when you have that experience, you realize how little is actually required to have the type of experience you're seeking. And this has a lot of benefits in your life. First of all, you get to spend less money on weed. You get to uh, have, you know, just have more spaciousness in your life without being like, I need to go smoke. I need to go smoke. I need to go smoke. When you realize that a very small amount can go a really long way, you know, everybody's expression is different with cannabis. But what I've found is I'm like a very reduced user at this point. I might interact once a week and it's usually on the weekend. I don't like to smoke during the workday. And I like to really set myself up for a full on ceremony when I do it. Most of the time, sometimes it's way more casual than that. But Mm -hmm. I've noticed that I can go in and it becomes really deep, really fast. So my ideal situation now is like Sunday morning, kids are still asleep. It's family day. There's no work to be done. House projects are taken care of. It's just me. I'm I'm up at like 5 a.m. No one else is up. That's when I love to interact with cannabis the most because I can go into my safe space. I can go into my ceremony space. I can interact strongly with cannabis, set strong intention, and I can actually use it as a practical, meaningful approach to the things I'm experiencing in my life. And it allows me to dive in to what I'm experiencing versus just this sort of more casual, you know, let me take the edge off, which I'm not here to judge how people are interacting with cannabis. But for me, I found that my minimum effective dose is like once a week and like not even a full joint. Mm -hmm. And when you clear the space for that, that's, that can be the case for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, those are, that's my framework for how I came to find my rhythm with it. And that's what I recommend for other people is either take a cold break for three days and see how your life changes in those, like your life will change in those three days if you're a, mm-hmm. a habitual user. And also if that's scary as shit, then do the benchmark process and just peel it back slowly. Mm. I love that. Taking that break and and coming back and and feeling what 
what is really needed is is like the first step because yeah you think that you need more because you interact with it all the time but then once you take that break like i found is like yeah it's like oh i only need a couple hits to get me to the point of where where i'm good or where you know what my intention is and and finding out that that what i thought was would be my dose being having such a past of of a high smoker is like no you know and and sitting with that and being okay with that and like recognizing that my ego was trying to step in and be like no you're you're a smoker you know and uh and it's like okay just sit with that and 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 allow the the medicine to do to do what it does and and have that mirror come back to you and um so yeah thank you for sharing all that um i know uh, a lot of my listeners are probably heavy smokers and um i have a lot of friends who you know have have this the same history as i do with cannabis and and they it's it's a new realm to think about cannabis in this way and there's the the guide that you and ryan have been putting out with with all of this is is just changed the game so fucking much and it's it's like holy shit um so <laughs> yep <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild here. um so I have one last question for you. Um, Summit to Soul Mountain is a quest for me to understand my soul, understand the world, and understand people um, and the stories, and to to quest for what soul means to me, and and to to hopefully um, bring that same quest to other people. So, my last question is: uh, What does soul to mean? What does soul mean to you? How do you interpret the word soul? Hmm. When I think of my soul, um, you know, I, I am a believer that there's this one source and that everything we experience is some sort of dimension of this one origin point. And everybody talks about how we are all one, right? And but we're separate at the same time. So what's the deal with that? Right. And so when I think about my soul, I think about it as one dimension from that particular source of God or or oneness that the oneness somewhere, somehow, some way decided let's out of myself create this discrete, separated, only by illusion, separated entity that in this embodiment is Alex. And I believe that there's a soul expression of me that's not Alex. Alex is one expression of that soul. And I believe that my soul is infinite. I believe that it's always occurring. I believe that it's a sound and a light and a rhythm that is always happening. And that while I can't remember it in this in this incarnation, I imagine that my soul has experienced a lot of things and always has and always will. And so for me, when I think of what it means, what soul means to me in this life, because to me, that's the most practical, relatable way to look at it. My soul is the expression of what's happening in this experience here. And to finish this thought, uh, cannabis helped me really tap into this a few months ago. 
I, uh, I actually did a microdose with psilocybin, like very small. I walked down to the Creek near my house. It was again, 5.00 AM in the morning, really early. It was dark. I came back in here into my basement man cave. I interacted with some cannabis and, uh, it just hit me because I was asking like, what is my soul? Who, who am I? And all of a sudden it hit me and I looked around at my house and my life and my family. And the voice said, that's you. Mm. You're the creator of your reality, aren't you? Look at everything around you made this. You all co-created it, but look, this is your life. This is you. And so when I think about soul in terms of the human experience, I tend to think of like whatever your life is, is your soul. Mm. That's what you're seeing. That's what you're creating. That's what you're feeling. And so for me, that's the most empowering way to look at soul for me because it shows me that my actions in this life are really expressions of my soul. And it's like my soul figuring out in the human experience, given these parameters, this gravity on this planet, the fact that we need to eat food and drink water, how do we express ourselves as a soul in this plane? And that tapped me in really powerfully to both the choices I have in life, which is like, makes me feel free, but also the responsibility of like, wow, I'm choosing all this. And so that's, that's what soul means to me. And I'm got a lot of learning and uncovering left to do for sure. But great question. Thanks for asking. Mm, I love that. That was a, a great answer. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a whole lot of other topics that I would love to, to dive into you with. Um, but for now our time is up and, uh, yeah. How can, um, how can any viewers and listeners, um, find you and, and connect with you if they, if they choose to. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Alex Morningstar. I really recommend checking out highly optimized.me. That's our website. If you're interested in cannabis and consciousness, uh, this, we've got a lot of great materials. We got a lot of stuff you can dive into. So check us out, uh, highly optimized.me. And then also definitely check out Move Energy. Uh, this is the business my wife and I are running. She is the heart and soul of that program. And if anything about the emotional discussions we had and energetic discussions we had are interesting, uh, check out Jody at Move Energy. Uh, she's Jody Morningstar on Instagram, and you can find us at move.energy on Instagram. So uh, thanks, Ryan, so much for having me on. I had a blast. And to all the listeners, you guys rock. Thanks for listening and wishing everybody all the best. Mm. Much love, brother. Much love, bro. Thank you. <laughs>